Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Welcome, everyone, to the Ant Hill Show. It's going to be a good one. We're going to be talking 49ers for Seahawks, talking about the 49ers playmakers, the effect and what the Christian McCaffrey trade meant to not only the players, but the signal that it signaled to them. But this is going to be a fun one, Jason. And all the while, we still don't know who the 49ers are going to play, but we're going to find out here pretty quick. About eight hours. Yeah. We'll know. We're almost there. It'll be uh, stupid, either stupid, Cowboys stupid or Tampa Bay Buccaneers because... Uh, Minnesota Vikings went full Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, normally they win the close games. They did yeah. not win this one. Uh, they will be not heading to Levi's, and boy, am I missing out on that because I think the Forty could have put up fifty on their defense. Gotta love man coverage on fourth and eight. All I know, a, every, a three yard pass to your tight end. Every time I saw Kendricks uh, chasing Saquon Barkley or one of the running backs, <laughs> I'm just like, ooh, ooh, Christian McCaffrey. That could, that could be McCaffrey or Elijah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was about to be bad. But let's talk 49ers for Seahawks uh, round three and 49ers do what they do. And, you know, the first half, the Seahawks made it interesting. Let's give them props. They played well. Yeah, DK Metcalf had a, you know, a really big game over 100 yards, had the big one down the field over Mooney Ward, and they were in it. You know, and then the, a couple of mistakes by the 49ers, the squib kick was Mental a bad mistakes, idea. Yeah. Kick it out of the end zone. It didn't work out. Uh, and then Jimmy Ward hitting Geno Smith as he slides. Just a bad mistake that gives the Seahawks, you know, that momentum. The good thing is the 49ers are a great football team. They came out of half, and not only did they march right down and score, uh, but on the next series ended up getting a turnover because of uh, our, our good guy, Charles Amenehu. That, that, that was a game changer. Yeah, next thing you know, 49ers are pulling away, Jason. It's exactly what they needed to do, and if they can duplicate their second-half performance, they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. They're going to be hard to beat. I. I think for perspective on the, this this game, we should take a look around the league. The Buffalo Bills playing Skylar Thompson at home needed a, a 
first down with just, just over, you know, two minutes left to, to ice the game. My guy Joe Burrow at home versus Huntley. He's a, a defensive touchdown to ice the game. You know, I mean, and, you know, the the Jaguar-Charger game was a, a one-score game. The Giants and the Vikings, like I talked about, it was a one-score game. Playoff games are close games because, in theory, you have good coaches and good players. And San Francisco just destroyed a potentially Hall of Fame coach and an up-and-coming roster who knew exactly what we were going to do, and they still couldn't stop it. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Like, that was a complete just eye-popping, like, like, I figured they'd win, and I figured they'd cover, but not like that, though. That was just a incredible second half. Yeah, and it's not like the 49ers offense in the first half was bad. It was good. It was moving. just their red zone offense was, didn't execute yeah. at a high level. Uh, there was reading, you know, between the tea leaves, listening to some of the things that the Seahawks said, some of the things the 49ers said. They ran a couple of things the 49ers weren't prepared for. Yep. Uh, once the 49ers adjusted, you know, they're, they're, it's over. You know, they're making they're making plays and getting it done. But I thought what was nice was a couple of things. Number one, the 49ers were able to get up enough where they could pull out their back or pull up their get, pull out their get starters, yep. get their backups in. I thought that was good. It also got them another look at Janoris Jenkins, which I enjoy. Um, but also, you know, just get some of those other guys out there, keep your guys fresh. And then they walk out and you get the injury report and you have Jawan Jennings with an ankle, but he went back in. So yep. that's great news. And Ebucom with an ankle, but Kyle Shannon said, well, he could have went back in if we needed him to. So the, they come out unscathed and with a big emotional victory because John Abrams wanted to go ahead and pull on Debo Samuel's leg like he's one of the chiropractors on YouTube. <laughs> and it did not work out for him. And it, all it did was piss the 49ers off, Kyle Shannon included. And it I'm did. telling you, people might not remember it later on, but everyone that's listening, remember this moment because it could have galvanized a galvanizing the team moment. Exactly. Because Debo looks in the press conference, he says, I saw my coach get fired up yep. and get pissed off. Those are the types of things that make players play harder for a coach. Who they already love anyway. Right. Like it, 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 It's not like this locker room is offense here, defense. Like, this is one... My water. This hand is one locker. locker room. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. This is one. <laughs> this is one complete locker room already, and to hear them be like, "Oh man, like that got us." Well, my only thought is, I didn't like in a playoff game that I had to have something extra to get them fired up. Though that's, that's the only thing I was like, like "Man, come on!" It's, it's plus we should already be at that emotional level. But hey, it got us there eventually, and it just was a downhill avalanche from that point on. So yeah, and now they can carry this. Uh, thing, yep. you know, carrying from one game to the no another is a real thing. Uh, momentum was a real thing, and I think the 49ers, you know, took that momentum back. And then after that, it was just like uh, Geno Smith was trying to make something happen, and it absolutely just went out of control. They fell into that quicksand. Next thing you know, he's throwing a football. Yamada in the North drives on it. Good break on the ball. Picks it off. That was nice. And uh, you've got yourself the ball in, you know, plus territory, and you're looking to score and go up big, and that's what they did. They yeah. took advantage of, of the Seahawks in a bunch of different ways, and I thought the second-half adjustments on defense, the second-half adjustments on offense were spectacular. And we got to give a little bit of props again to D'Amico Ryans because did they give up 17 in the first half? Yes. Uh, but really, besides a garbage time touchdown, they gave nothing up nothing that, in the yeah. second half. It looked like what we've seen for the rest of the or for the most of the season. Second half, no points. That this has to be the best staff at halftime adjustments. M maybe Andy Reid's up there too, but 
staff from offense to defense, the last three months, basically, we've seen them. If there's one little issue that, that that's happened offensively or defensively at halftime, it changes, and they just use that to as a a stepping stone to, 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 to jump off and explode. It's it's impressive how they can just find new things to do every single week after halftime. Yeah, and now I want to talk about the guy that had all the attention on him. Number 13, he's in his first game as a rookie. Brock! Purdy. Lesnar? Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know if you got to see it, but Paul Heyman did a the thing undisputed before, uh, the, before the game. Yeah, heavyweight and, champion of the world? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's something. And and Brock Purdy, first pass, probably put the fear of God in everybody. There was a couple. There was a couple that was, head. He, but, he was open, too. But the very next pass is a 19-yard completion to Brandon Ayuk. He protects him from the linebacker, throws it a little bit behind. And it's like, okay, here's here we are, business as usual. And I thought, you know what? This is the best I could expect from a rookie to look in his first start in the playoffs. I, I just thought Brock Purdy handled himself at such a high level that uh, if the legend of Brock Purdy continues at this rate, we might be talking about him in some of the, you know, some of the levels that we talk about Stephen Joe. Disney movie coming up. He he definitely looked a little bit the first quarter. I think he was a little off, even on balls that were caught. It wasn't as accurate as he usually is. So he definitely was a little bit like playoffs. Oh boy, this is different. But to his credit, right, he, he didn't he didn't throw four picks in the first quarter. He he didn't do anything that, he didn't go full Trevor. Go, hey, you, you know what though? That was damn impressive though too. To throw four touchdowns and four picks. Yes, to to be that bad and then come back and in the game and just change it over and just go was big time too. But back to Brock now. <laughs> um, Back to quarterbacks who don't throw interceptions. interceptions. He 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 didn't put the offense and the team in a hole in a spot where they had to dig out of a catastrophic mistake and thus give Seattle extra. He he missed some throws, but like I said, they weren't interceptions. He didn't he didn't force a, a pass into coverage. He didn't hold the ball too long and and get sacked and humble it. Like he was, you could tell like he knew he was, he was kind of like. I, I I gotta calm down, but but he was mature enough to, to not do anything stupid though, which I I thought was actually really good. Yeah, I thought in the first half there was a couple of throws, especially on slant patterns and things like that, where he tried to get it in there and and it did, it wasn't gonna work out. Linebacker got there. Uh, I thought those were some you know some errant passes early, but I thought as the game progressed and he got more of a feel of what Pete Carroll was trying to do on defense, what the looks were gonna be, and then Kyle got a feel of what they were doing. Um, not only did Kyle dial up some plays that were going to be huge for Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy created. You know, I mean, the first touchdown of his playoff career to Christian McCaffrey nice. uh, is him, you know, avoiding a little bit of pressure, stepping up in the pocket and finding McCaffrey, who they had play action fake to. Yep. Uh, he leaks out. He's wide open. Uncovered. And, it, <laughs> and very similar to what he ends up doing to Elijah Mitchell yep. for the last touchdown of the 49ers game. So to me, Brock Purdy showed poise. Uh, he showed that, you know, that wherewithal that we've been seeing from him. And the dude's just got something about it. There's something special about Brock Purdy. He's not a great athlete, right, on some of the, the elite guys' level, but he's a, he, he's a damn playmaker, though. Yeah. And, and, and I think the best play that he's made, probably since he's been in the lineup, that would have been one of those all-time playoff touchdowns was the one that the B.A. dropped. 
I that was amazing. I, I it was a it was a fantastic play. I, I will be honest. If you go and you you get up the the Joe Montana getting crushed from the side from the backside though that ends pretty much almost ends his career. I don't like that play. Uh, that's what it looked like for a second. You know, because he, <laughs> he's rolling right, he avoids the guy, then he set resets up and he gets crushed from behind. Yep. Uh, luckily it didn't turn Leonard out that way. Marshall, right? Yeah. And and you know what, Brandon Ayuk is trying to keep his feet in. He's standing in the back of the end zone. It'd have been I, a hell of a catch. Like it, it, it would have been, been great. But... And Brock Purdy did it all. And you're right. It would have been. We would have remembered it forever. Uh, that back corner's been famous for 49ers. You know, a little bit. Yeah, but I thought Brock Purdy handled himself good. I thought he avoided. He threw balls away. Uh, he, you know, his completion percentage could have been a lot better if he didn't throw those footballs away. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's just another growing uh, moment for him. He can only go up from here. I mean, I mean, we need him to have three more very good football games before he has one of those ones where he struggles. No rookie game. Um, but, you know, they can do it. Now, Jason, I'm going to read you some numbers. 21 plus 7 plus 7 plus 7 equals what? I would guess I'm going to say 28, 35, 42. 42. So the 49ers scored 41 points in this. Yes. You talked about the fact they could have scored 44. Well, before uh, Brock Purdy took over, I mean, this is actually before they got Christian McCaffrey. They averaged around 21 points per mm -hmm. game. With Christian McCaffrey, it added seven. Uh, they started averaging 28 points a game. Once they put Brock Purdy at the helm, it went up another seven. In the league and now they there. added Debo in the playoffs, and it went up another seven. seven. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are at every time they add a, one of these playmakers, it goes up seven. Put the you know I mean if we're just listening to that isn't that a huge that just the addition of a Christian McCaffrey added seven points, uh, but then Brock Purdy as well. So this 49ers offense went from twenty one points a game, a right or almost twenty two, yeah. uh, all the way to they've been over thirty. And could they be a forty point team with Debo Samuel? I mean, game in and game out, no. But will they get there more times than not? Yeah. I mean, six of the last seven games, they've scored over 30 points. Yeah. But what well, you said, 40, though. 40 is a little bit. Well, they just did it. Yeah. This is the first time they had Debo. Uh, I know. Yeah. But will it happen next week? Probably not. But, but depends on who they're playing. They put up 35 on Tampa Bay. But uh, like we'll talk, talk about in a little bit, though, they didn't have Vita Vea. They didn't have one of their starting corners. So, like, but. I I think it could happen e happen easier against Dallas actually in Tampa's defense. Well, last year, right, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he doesn't injure his shoulder in the game, uh, realistically, run defense is terrible. And still. they could have ended up scoring over thirty last year. Yeah, uh, because I, I mean, Jimmy got hurt legitimately in that game trying to protect his thumb, and they were marching the ball on Dallas in the and first. And he missed Ayuk too when he turned Diggs in, into a. Well, yeah, I, I believe Jimmy was hurt by then. So Jimmy yeah. put a little bit extra on. I don't think he knew what he was getting out of his shoulder. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up. And then I wanted to ask you, Jason, are the 49ers, are they an offensive powerhouse now? Officially, is this team, because it's been a defensive team all year, but now that we've got six out of seven games with 30-plus points, is this team now officially an offensive powerhouse? So I would tell, I would say this, and... I thought it'd be possible next year to to say this, but even though we did, at that point we 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 didn't have McCaffrey, but and I, because I thought Trey could kind of get us to to this this type of offense, but this is the best offense that we've had in San Francisco since the Jeff Garcia 
T.O. days. And yes, that, that includes Harbaugh and Kaepernick because, like I said, this they're is, predicated on defense in, in the Harbaugh era. Yeah, and it was a read option, which as soon as defenses figured out what to do, that offense became obsolete. So, but there's nothing that you can do against the, the, uh, this offense because there's so many guys who can make a, a play, make a, make a guy miss, make a catch in traffic that you can't cover everyone. So someone's open on, on every play. So as long as Brock can continue to find the, the guy who's open, they're going to score a lot of points. Pure and simple. They just are. Yeah, they've become an offensive powerhouse. They've morphed into it. Since yeah. Miami, uh, this offense has been legit. And in fact, the only time that they didn't score over 30 was on a short week in Seattle when with an Brock injured... was banged up. Yeah, with an injured quarterback. And in that game, of course, they didn't have Debo Samuel. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things where... This off this team morphed throughout the season from a defensive team that had to play beat the Saints 13-0 <laughs> to a team that absolutely if I mean if they played the Saints again, I think they'd mollywop them because they'd score at least 28. Yeah, because this offense is just at a different level. And I think it's interesting that Kyle Shanahan finally has right that was all the conversation. Kyle Shanahan's an offensive guru, but he never has that spectacular offense. He never had a, a good enough quarterback. Yeah, or a spectacular piece like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Let's talk about the playmakers a little bit because you just mentioned it a second ago. You said they just have too many guys. Somebody's op always open. And you saw it in this game. Debo had his explosives. Christian McCaffrey had his explosives. Uh, George Kittle had the two-point conversion. Brandon Ayuk had three big explosive catches, you know, three catches over 70 yards. Jawan Jennings had two big catches. At one point, you looked at the stat sheet, and I think this is how the game ended up holding true, and there was only two guys that caught passes that averaged under 10 yards yep. on those catches, and that was Christian McCaffrey at a little over eight, <laughs> and then a, uh, and then a Kyle Juszczyk at six because he had one catch for six yards. It, it's just these playmakers are making big plays, and I didn't even mention that Elijah Mitchell had big plays as well, including a touchdown and a couple of nice runs as well. Uh, just so many weapons, Jason. I mean, is there a defense that can match up with all these playmakers? I don't know, but I'll, 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 I'll tell you this. On that one Kittle catch early in the third quarter, I held my breath because... He got hit in the hip? Got, and and be, because it, he was facing this way, and the guy hit him from this side, so he, he had no idea he was even coming. I'm like, right. oh, that's a hip or a knee. Oh, get get, get Okay, he's up. Thank God. I mean, literally, as it's happening, I'm messing up. I'm like, oh, he didn't see this, and they even know he's there. Ugh. Yeah. But, no. So... Yeah, exactly. No fear. No fear, but a little bit for a second there. No, I, I get you. I remember the play because it stuck out to me the same thing. I thought, oh, no. And he got up a little slow, but then he, once he started jogging, he was okay, fine. we're good. And they actually, to be honest, they did pull him out the after the next play. Yeah. And then Tyler Croft missed a block. Yes, he did. Uh, which I know they would rather have George Kittle in on. Yes, he did. The playmakers are, it, it's just, it's fun to watch. And I, I, I'm, you know, Kyle must just sit there and be like, Great. I, I, I get to draw up this play, this play, this play, and it, we know that our receivers downfield will throw blocks. Like, Evo does not score if IU does not take that dude, dude out of the play. Like, 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 that dude has an angle. He, he'll at least, at least knock him out of bounds, and Ayuk just, just locked him up. Like, that was a hell of a job by BA there, too. So, not only do, do, do they all make plays for themselves, they all make plays for each other. And and the, that's what makes it so so dynamic. There's no sense of like, I didn't get my touches. I, I want the ball, man. Come on, come on. If like you see when when 
when someone scores, they all run to them and like, yeah, it's just, it's a locker room that, that is together and it's an offense that is just dangerous because you just don't know who to cover. You don't know who's going to have a big day. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's the offense is absolutely spectacular and the weapons, every time you add it, it just, it just seems like they have another element that's added to their offense, you know, and Brock Purdy kind of talked about in his presser a little bit about the way Seattle was trying to take away McCaffrey and Debo out of the backfield. And you've seen the way Kyle started adjusting, running the play action, getting the ball first. It was throwing against the grain back to Brandon Ayuk. Yep. And then for the Debo play, hitting him out there as he's coming across the field. Uh, and then you're right with the blocking. But it was also a brilliant running by Debo Samuel. He saw Quandre Diggs coming, yep. and he gave him a little jab step inside and then bursted to the outside using uh, Ayuk's block to block two guys, not just Tariq Woolen, but also you know, Quandre Diggs. I thought, to me, it was just full display of talent. And you want to go in there and you want to try to take away George Kittle? That's great. Debo, and then we're going to go off on you today. Oh, you're going to go take away you know, Christian McCaffrey and Debo? George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are going to go off on you. And if you decide you can possibly take away all four, Jawan Jennings is going to make some sort of big play. To me, it's just the 49ers offense is on full display. Kyle Shannon has all the weapons and pieces he needs, yep. and he has the guy at the helm now that when, when crap happens uh, and the play's not working out, Aaron Banks gets thrown on the ground, whatever it is, Brock Purdy can make something happen. Um, and I think that that changes this offense. That's what he was hoping was going to come from Trey Lance. We never got to see it. Trey got hurt. Uh, but now we're seeing it in a different type of manner. It's almost a happy medium between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey yeah. Lance. Boom, put together. And uh, to me, these 49ers playmakers are going to be tough for any defense. Uh, you're going to have to get a pass rush and hope you can get home on Brock Purdy. Because if not, they're going to continue to put up points. Yep, exactly. So let's talk Christian McCaffrey. Uh, because you text me and you said, hey, you heard this, you know, about what Fred Warner had said about the effect that the Christian McCaffrey uh, trade had on him and the signal. So, Jason, talk about it a little bit, what McCaffrey trade meant to this roster. Okay, so so Joe Davis, the guy that called the game for Fox, he, he was on with Tolbert and Copes on, I think it was Thursday. And he mentioned that in their pre-game conversations with some of the guys, they asked Fred about trade. And what Fred said reminded me of what we hear about all the time in baseball, right about right around, around the, the trade deadline, you always hear that that contending teams need to make a move to, to not only make the roster better, but to also show the locker room that, hey guys, we got your backs, you know, <laughs> believe in you, so, that's why we're going to go out and get X, you know, in, like in the Padres case, go out and get Juan's photo. Uh, just to kind of get, get like, hey, we know this team is good, but if we had this guy, it would make it even better. So, but you, you never hear about that happening in in NFL. But what, what Fred had said was that showed, like, we knew that we were a good team. We knew that we had an elite defense that can shut people down. We knew that we had talent. An offense, but to go get a guy that's this much of a difference maker, both on the field and in the locker room, and is so dynamic and is just so. And he said, he said we had just seen him a couple weeks before. He torched us. He had absolutely like we, 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 we talked about that, that last week too. He said it. We all kind of sat there in the locker room and kind of were like, okay, if John and Kyle are, are going to go give up that many draft picks. This dude, who's a bad dude, it tells us that they know 
that we got something special here, and and, and they want to make sure, sure that we have every chance to be at the great team that we we can be. I thought it was very 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 deep and a thought of him to sit there and have that conversation with guys in the locker room. And I, I, I and once again, I, I, I'm talking about the whole show. It shows how that how how they all believe in each other and that they are fully focused on that one thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Super Bowl or bust for the 49ers, and it's been like that I think since 2019. Uh, they've been about it. You know, they went out in 2019 and got Emmanuel Sanders, and that was a huge move. Uh, but this move is so much bigger because you're right. Uh, you're looking at that team had was undefeated. Uh, they knew that Super Bowl was, you know, in the thought process. With this one with Christian McCaffrey, um, you're you're three and four, or you're three and three at the time when they make the trade. Yeah. You're 500. You're not like one of those teams that's at the top echelon right now. But what it did was a signal to the rest of the team. Wait, if we're going to making this trade, Kyle and John believe we are that team. They believe we can win a Super Bowl. It not only was a huge signal wise to the roster, I think it was also huge for Kyle because he got a, a piece that he needed within this offense. And because of situation and obstacle that they had to go through, Elijah Mitchell being hurt, losing these easy games to Chicago, Denver, and Atlanta, by losing those football games, John Lynch knew, I need to bring in somebody that's going to make a difference. Christian McCaffrey became available, and it was like one of those things that just it signaled everyone in that team. And since then, this 49ers team not only is different offensively, but they're different overall as a team, and they've won 11 straight when, you know, once he got acclimated to this this team, I'm not going to count the Kansas City game. He was there for, what, 36 hours, whatever it was, something ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that it, this has been a huge move. Um, I think it shows the belief that John Lynch and Kyle Shannon had in this roster and in this team, and they've been able to go through Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. They thought they could win the Super Bowl with Trey. They thought they could win the Super Bowl with Jimmy, and now they think they can win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Nothing has changed except for the belief that they've made all the moves that they need to make to win the Super Bowl. And this one told everyone, and then it showed everyone, because once you got McCaffrey in this offense, he's been nothing short of spectacular. Yep, exactly. So let's talk about Mooney Ward. Because Mooney Ward, uh, the first matchup on Thursday night, he shut down DK Metcalf. And I came on here all last week and said, hey, I'm not worried about Mooney. The way he played DK in that game was fantastic. Four catches, 33 yards. Uh, and then he, you know, he got lambasted a little bit. Now, not all those catches from DK are on Charvarius Ward, uh, but there's a couple big ones. And I think the most noticeable one, of course, is the big 50-yard touchdown down the field. And then I think also the screen where he got ran over. I think you look at those, and, and those were kind of big plays in the game. But... Are you concerned about Mooney Ward, or do you think this is just one of those big athletic freaks like DK uh, just making some plays? Concern, no, because his track record this year would lend me to not be worried. Was it by far his worst game of the year? Absolutely, it was. Like he was, he was hot garbage. But hot garbage? Come on. Based on what he did against. DK, last time he was hot garbage, yes. So a extreme performance, a Deion Sanders caliber performance in the first match. Yes, absolutely. And now you're gonna go ahead and put him with you know Brian Allen, hot no. garbage. On Saturday he was. I'm not saying I, I I think he'll be fine this week. I I expect him to lock up e either Godwin or or Evans or CD. Like I, I, I I'm not worried about him. But just on Saturday, he had a, a bad day. Like let, Let's just not even mess around with it. He, he was not good. 
I, I can't go all the way with bad outing because I think he got beat a couple of times. And, and you're making it sound like he got beat every single play he was out there. You're making him sound like a redheaded stepchild. And that's not the case. He went out there and competed. He got beat by DK. DK, he thought he was going to break, you know, have a, a, a comeback route, deep comeback route. He did not. He kept going and DK got him. Um, but after that, there was no, no huge plays on Mooney Ward. It's one explosive. And we've seen explosives happen on a lot of players. And when you're dealing with though. a guy, when you're dealing with a guy that can run a 4 3 40 at 240 pounds, yeah. they're going to get you for one or two here or there. Yeah, no, uh, that's just I, the way it is. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I, 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 I'm not saying I, I, I disagree with you. I'm just saying on Saturday, he was not good enough. I'm just telling you, if you look at the total snaps that they've played against each other this year, it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 snaps, and he gave up one explosive touchdown. Right. No, once again, I, I, the first two games he was great. First DK on Saturday he was not. I think I just have problems with your. If you want to say he was average, I'm okay with that. I can't. The hot garbage thing is just it's it's really irritating. Me <laughs> I can point. tell. Like, I know your skin pretty good there. Well, it, it's like a like because I, I I don't think he played up to expectation. Not at all. I think he's you know he struggled. I thought Diameter Lenore had a better football game. He did. Uh, Lenore was all over, but I by no means think Mooney Ward was hot garbage. I think he's incapable of having a hot garbage game. Based on the bar that he set by his performances all year. Oh, here comes the sliding scale. He was hot garbage. For for a guy who I thought should have been on the All-Pro team on Saturday, he was hot garbage. He wasn't great, but he wasn't hot garbage. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there is a, a different correlation there. Well, let's talk about the 49ers. The let's talk about the 49ers defense overall. Uh, I thought the defense, you know, got tested at times early on in the game. They were great, right? 2-3 announced to start the game. The first Order was awesome. Yeah, it was spectacular. Then Seattle went on that long drive, and I think after that, Seattle's offense kind of clicked in. But then once we got to halftime, adjustments, D'Amico made some uh, different some changes, and the defense settled in, and I thought they played great. What are your thoughts on the 49ers' defense? Uh, do you still, I mean, because a lot of people are concerned about them saying, hey, they give up 23 points to Seattle. That's more than normal. They give up uh, 17. Yeah. I mean, And it, it, it should have been even three less than that. So I am not worried. Like they, it was really strange to watch a team go on like a seven minute drive against us though. Like that, that's something like usually when teams score, it's off like a, a broken coverage or something like that. Not a chip away, pound, pound, chip away, pound. But at the, at the end of the day, Kenneth Walker averaged less than three yards a carry. He so. had 4.2 yards per carry. No. Yes. No, he didn't. He did. No. He, he, had, he, had, he had, like, was it 18 carries for 45 yards? 15 carries for 60-something yards. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Jason, keep talking. I'll bring it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll look. And so, it, like, he needed to have a huge day, and he didn't have a huge day. 15 for 63 and 42, 4.2 yards per carry. But his long was only nine, though, so he, so he didn't have any little chunk. Oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. So that was good. But, and eventually they got them one-dimensional, and we saw, you know, commit some um, turnovers. Yeah. It, it wasn't a bad performance. Was it their best? No, but it was good enough. And once again, when you play a team for a third time, 
stuff can get get a little weird. Yeah, I, I thought overall, I thought Seattle played pretty good in the first half. Uh, they were throwing everything they could at the 49ers. Yeah. And I, I thought that, you know, one thing I heard during the pressers, I can't remember who said it, but I listened to a bunch. They talked about the fact that Kenneth Walker, uh, his running style, that he actually played more patient and was taking advantage of the 49ers' aggressiveness and then was kind of finding these little creases to yeah. cut back. Once they realized what he was doing and they adjusted to it, they were able to stymie him. So uh, the 49ers were adjusting on the fly, and you could see once the, you had uh, Charles Amenehu and them were able to come in and really play a lot of a lot of snaps because of the Geno and the Seattle Seahawks being behind, that's when the 49ers are great. When the 49ers are up 14 points, you're in trouble. Uh, so I think Gold the game coming. being close is what made it a little bit more difficult for that defense. Once the, if the Warriors would have gotten up big early, if they would have walked away with this game. Seattle wouldn't have scored very many points. They would have had to abandon the run game. But early, they were able to stick with it. And that's the key to the 49ers' success always. Stop the run. Make them one-dimensional. Once you have a lead, absolutely just keep going after them. And I think that they got that in the second half. They did not have that early. But they can do that again in these future matchups with other teams. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they absolutely will. But who is going to be the other team, Jason? Tonight, Monday Night Football, Bucks, and Troy, baby. boys. Uh, it's, yeah, Troy Aikman's going to be calling the game. It's, you know, the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT, against, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, your favorite guy in the whole world. The most overrated uh, quarterback in the league, baby. But here's the interesting thing. 49ers have played the Bucks this year. They beat them 35-7. to They played the Cowboys last year and bumped them out of the playoffs, and that was a different 49ers roster. Much different. Um, who do you think has the heads up on this? And are you surprised that we're going to be playing Bucks and Cowboys? Because I thought it was going to be the Vikings. But the Vikings would so. wait a week to choke. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Dave said in our our group text. Yeah. Um, I see. So they activated Ryan Jensen this morning, which will help help their help the Bucks line. Yeah, O line a ton. I believe Worfs is is not 100% still, but he'll play still. Yeah. So their O-line's improved. The Dallas pass rush has really fallen apart. For for the, the first eight games, they had, I think it was like almost 40 sacks. They've had like 20 since then. So old Micah, Mr. Mr. Micah over here, he's looking like he's just really tired out. Being a pass rusher's tough. Um, but the problem is, even with Vitavea back and their secondary healthy, the Bucks lack a pass rush too. So I, I kind of think that this game might be a little more high scoring than some people think because if both teams lack a, a pass rush, you're going to have time. And so my guess is Dak will throw a, a couple touchdowns for the Cowboys and he'll pr probably throw a a, a Touchdown pass for the Bucks too. He seems to be be really good at that. I, 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 my gut says I don't want to see Tom come back here again after after the way that, that we crushed him. I just can't see us crushing the Bucks twice, especially as they're kind of getting a little more healthy. Um, so I kind of want the Cowboys to win, but I, I like. This is the one playoff game all, all all week where I've been like, I just can't figure out who's gonna win. I just I don't know. 
Yeah, this one's up in the air about who's going to win. What's not up in the air is neither one of those teams match up well against the 49ers. Not, not uh, I mean, the, 40, the the Cowboys have a real problem at the cornerback position. They have Trayvon Diggs, which is great. The other side is bad. Uh, you can have success, and if they get that matchup, which is where Tom Brady likes to throw to Evans down the field, yep. that is a problem for them. Now, could they just you know put Trevon Diggs wherever Evans goes? Probably would be a good idea. You're gonna have to. Um, and I think that you know it comes down to the Cowboys' run game. I think the Cowboys' run game is a little scary as far as you know if you're play if you're the 49ers because they have Pollard, they have Zeke, they have some talent there. Dak can run around a little bit. When you're talking about matchups, the Bucks are actually the best matchup for the 49ers as far as the Niners could obviously dominate. Tom Brady can't move outside the pocket. He's a stationary target. You can go full go after him. They have no run game at all. Yeah, they're going to have their center back. They're going to need more than that. Uh, they don't even have their backup backups. I mean, these guys are really hurting. And we just haven't seen their offense click all season. And the Bucks have been a lot like Minnesota Vikings. If they're close, they have a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. But most of the time when they lose, they get blown up. They get beat by multiple scores. That plays into what the 49ers do, get an early lead and absolutely blow them up. Do I want to see the you know Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks of all time in the playoffs? Probably not. Plus, I have this little thing where I want to play, now that we've beat the Seahawks and their rival, I would love to play our rival in the Cowboys and beat them. And hey, maybe the New York football Giants in the NFC Championship game. And just run through all the, you know, the rivals all in one season. But the Rams too, did you get, get them back? Right. <laughs> I, yeah, we got them back by them just absolutely, you know, struggling this year. But as far as the best matchup, the Bucs are still the best matchup for the 49ers because they just have the, the they make them one dimensional by showing up. And that's when this defense <laughs> is better. You know what I mean? It's it's I get it. The Cowboys, you know. They're they're not spectacular either. I think both these matchups are good for the Niners, but uh, to me, it's just I mean I know it's Tom Brady, um, you know, but he don't got Gronk. This ain't New England. He ain't got Edelman. He's got Evans. That's great. And Godwin. He's got Godwin, but you know, are are you? Does Godwin put the fear of God into you? Doesn't me. No, but he, he's he's a good player though. Yeah, yeah. They, they were so good. They scored seven points last time. They, with a banged-up O-line, that's getting healthy, though, too. Like, they, like I they said. They got one guy, Ryan Jensen, one guy. And Worf's <laughs> an all-pro guy, too. I'm not worried about you. Yeah. yeah, we'll see when Nick Bosa puts him on his keister right in front of Tom Brady, and Brady can't move at all and throws one of those weird passes. I don't know. Just don't worry about it. Just not worried about it. I think <laughs> I think both, both of these teams' season got ended when they found out they were playing the 49ers. So one ends tonight, the other ends next Sunday at 6.30 Eastern, 1.30, or sorry, 3.30 Pacific. Um, yep. All right, really bold prediction, Jason. Uh, it could be it could be about the game tonight, the playoff game. It could be about the 49ers next week. It could be about the playoff run. What you got? I have this gut feeling because it is so hard to beat teams three times in a year and the Eagles are banged up that the NFC Championship game will be at... Levi's. Oh, New York football giants. I, I think. The, the, see, it's tough. I mean, it's a little tough because Daniel Jones' three best performances th this year were against the Vikings twice and the Lions before they got their defense fixed. So I don't want to try. I, I don't want to read too much into the way he played yesterday, but he did look pretty good. But the Eagles are just really banged up. And it's hard to beat a team three times unless you're. The Niners. 
then it's not so hard. Yeah, I mean, all the advantages, right? Philadelphia still playing at home. Uh, the, 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 those teams win 76% of the time. I know in the playoffs it's more equal. That means 24 time percent they lose. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the, I think the, the New York football giants are going to have an opportunity to go in there. I think they're good enough. You know, if they play their game, yeah. Um, they can sneak out a win. I'm I'm not gonna bet on that. I would love to see the NFC Championship game at Levi Stadium, though. 49ers versus Giants. Um, I think it would it would be a lot of fun. So I, I like that bull prediction, Jason. And, and let's go. Normally we give score predictions on here, and I want you to give a, a score prediction. You're good at doing sliding scales anyways. I've I've, I've um, great at them. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's fun to many things that it, I, I do really well. If the 49ers play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what's the score? And if the 49ers play the Cowboys, what's the score? If they play Tampa. Obviously, 49er wins, right? Yes. Okay. Just, they, just double check. If they play Tampa, I'm going to go 27 20. If they play Dallas, 34 24. That yeah. score has some mystery behind it, too. Yeah. You know how upset I am right now that you gave the, you didn't give them 40 points in either game. Uh, you value Tampa Bay's defense way too much, and having the 49ers only score 20 Tampa's 20 got points. a pretty good run defense. We'll see. A game where Villavea was like, oh, took inventory. I'm going to go ahead and sit this one out. I don't want to go against uh, about uh, Jake Brendel, the beast inside. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that too worries me to Vea. That guy is 6'4", 380. I don't think any, anybody worries him. He's a massive human being. He's He's big. He's good too. Don't get me wrong. He's, I mean, he's going to bring interior he's a pressure. Shockingly good athlete too. He's very good. Oh and my god. Let me, don't get me wrong. Vitave is good. Uh, you know that that secondary getting healthy is important for uh, Tampa Bay. But their pass rush is, is still an issue, though. Yeah, it so is. No, I mean, JPP and Shaq Barrett. Yeah, Shaq Barrett was a huge one. Uh, Joe Tryon is just he's not there yet. He's only in his second year. He's not there yet. I think you're right. I think Vitave would help though with a little bit of pressure up the middle. But I still got the 49ers scoring 30 on no matter who they play the rest of the playoffs. I think they're rolling. I don't think anything's going to stop them. I think uh, you can use Vita Vea's aggressiveness against him. Let him come upfield, absolutely mollywop him with pulling offensive linemen and traps. Or use off-ball guys like Charlie Warner and George Kittle to hit him and run inside whams. To me, there's just ways you can handle his aggressive style. He's one dude. And do they have a good run defense? Yeah. Do they have two good linebackers? Yeah, let's see how those linebackers like to run with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. And while they're chasing them, uh, there could be something else happening over the middle, somebody sneaking in there. Very likely. That's what Kyle does. All right, so two victories for Jason no matter what. Just uh, not scores that I'm happy about. Not happy about his uh, usage of how he called hot garbage for Charverius Ward. <laughs> to me, Jason has been missing on a lot of things. Today. Not his best wow. performance. He's I wouldn't say hot garbage, but on, so on, on the edge. A... A Mooney Ward then? No, you did not. There's, there's I've been no good way. all year, and I just did not show up here today. Well, I don't think you've ever set the bar high enough to be Mooney Ward. Wow. <laughs> damn. Just having a little fun with okay. you, Jason. <laughs> all right. No, I, I just have a little fun with you. But it, overall, pretty... overall, another great show. Um, 49ers playoffs are are so fun. I, I really enjoyed that game. I'm looking forward to the Sunday matchup. 49ers have an extra day to prepare. The two teams that they're playing are going to be one day short, of yeah. course, because but you know the four yards of coaches have already peaked into Tampa Bay. They played them once. They oh, yeah. peaked in the Cowboys. They know what's up. Uh, now they just got to go ahead and do it. And you know if we're if we're in here next week talking about four yards NFC Championship game, um, I think it's exactly what's expected. And I, I mean that'll just be so much fun. I'll be hyped for it. I wonder too if the Giants do win, if there'll be a, uh, another extra, a little emotional boost too, because 
they'll know, hey, we win this game. We don't got to go anywhere still. Like, we're, we're on the West Coast the whole rest of the, <laughs> the month. Yeah, the, the, and there's a short trip to yeah. Glendale. Yep. Uh, a place they're familiar with. So, yeah, I think it will be. That will be huge if they're playing at home in the NFC Championship game, having the faithful show up. The crowd with lo- noise was great. In the last game, I expected to continue it to ramp rocking. up. The second half was loud. It was. Ooh. Tino was struggling. Uh, but we weren't struggling. Another great episode no. of the Ant Hill Show. Looking forward to the next one, Jason. We'll catch you guys all next week. Go Niners. Thank you.